little. I had to ring the bell. You know, we got to have get hey some there. church bells. Uh... Where you going? No, man. You got the right classroom. Come on in, take a seat beside me, my friend. He's messing with me today. Hey, look, here come T.A. Charlie. Let's see what he got to say. Yeah, morning. You're watching the Road to Concord. At least I hope somebody is. Oh, it looks like people are showing up now. Must have been the bell. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Road to Concord with what do you, Professor What do you do to tardy congregation members? Um, I mean, in students, you give them an essay. What do you do to parishioners that don't show up on time? Well, they have to go. You know, Somebody pass the plate another extra time to those people. They have to go do the rosary and hail marys or something. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I was just gonna or something or I was pay, just gonna send the plate their, back to them again. Pay their uh, what do you call it? Indulgences. Yeah. Ooh, pay indulgences. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> we'll be rich. Okay. Anyhow, sorry. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Oh yes, homeroom. Yeah, that's on Rumble. <laughs> Uh, just go to Rumble, search the channels for the Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, go ahead and click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast, it's easy, it's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, X. I still call it Twitter and YouTube. When you catch, then you can then 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 I can't even read this morning. It's anyway. Then you can catch a podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and eventually to... ...notes and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email a professor at joe at roadtoconcord.com. Um, he's doing pretty good. He's got one in there that he's working on. I don't know that, how to answer that that's one. That's a tough one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, Marianne, he'll he'll get to you, but that that's a tough one. I look she at it. She pitches fastballs. Yeah, she does. That that's going to be a tough one. We might actually have to do a class on that. Anyway, if you find a class is helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just warn them. Yeah, he's an acquired taste, and we mean it. Hey, we all know T. A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, just stay seated and See, give it he's a gone. chance. Now he's back. You soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're free thinkers. It's because nobody will pay us to think. Concord, what Professor Joe Bakanovic has on the lesson plan for today. I'm thankful that Aaron didn't assign preacher to me. I'll accept professor i'm not really happy with it but i'll take that but i'm glad he didn't call me preacher <laughs> clay has checked in he said this mixed nut is here are you sure you're not a fruit or a flake mr toller you're sure you're a nut i mean just just wondering <laughs> and aaron's wondering where his twin is good morning everybody it's worship wednesday all right charlie i'll bump you out of here <laughs> off he goes i have the power problem is so does he Sometimes we get to fight back and forth on the screen, and that's why things go popping in and out. They're both places. He's a roasted peanut, so we're okay, except on peanut season. Yeah, harvest like time. when you kicked on the bell when I was doing my intro. Yeah, oh, it's you. Know, I I stepped on top of you. You know, <laughs> you I <did>. belled you. <laughs> hey, man, it was just the tortoise. Just the tortoise. He was giving me a hard time yesterday. So, all right. So, yesterday, if you were here. We were having a discussion about what direction I want to take, you know, not just me, but what direction to take the show. And um, y'all, 
the class gave me some feedback and I'm grateful for you to you for that because um, I kept it. I wrote it down and I took it home and I'm going to contemplate on that. But I was also wondering, you know, what the heck do I do with, you know, there's two sides to this show in my head. You know, there's the, the scriptural side and then there's everything else I do. And I've started to, uh, I got like a 25 minute drive into work, uh, into the show every day. And I'm sitting here praying, starting to talk to Yahweh on the way in. And uh, I told him yesterday, I said, I, I need some guidance. I need some clear guidance that I can't screw up because when I rely on myself, I always mess up. So I'm on the way in today and I'm sitting here. What do I talk to them about today? Because I, I don't know. You, you didn't give me a message yesterday. You know, Father, there's no Holy Spirit in, inspiration. So what do I talk to them about today? And I start thinking and all of a sudden the idea of the biblical concept of love and servanthood. And I start going through in my head, okay, what passages should I bring up and how do I do this? And what, what's important about it? And how's it different from what we... Uh, what we think about in our daily, you know, in our culture and world today. And then I realized not only is it a sermon type class for today, it's the answer to my question about what I'm supposed to do with the show. <sighs> and it was very clear. Be a servant, Joe, get your butt to work. And I'm like, <clears throat> Great. Okay. Be careful what you ask for. The Lord has a funny way of actually answering you when you ask correctly. When you when you ask for things that are in accordance with his will and, and that serve his purposes and his kingdom, he'll answer you. Problem is it's usually not the answer you were hoping for. So with that said, the biblical concept of love, and he was not given fair early warning on this, but I'm about to throw Charlie into the mix on this and it, I'm teaching him to, to think on the fly here more so than the air force already did. But <laughs> Charlie, I, I don't even know the Hebrew word that we use for love. I'm, I, I want to go to old Testament before we talk about new, but is they're going to have more than one word, aren't they? Um, or at least one primary word. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, it depends on how you're looking at it and what, what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> but either way, we're talking about a verb again, aren't we? Oh yes. An action, right? Not a feeling. Yes. Yes. And that's, ah, Ray says it's a half. It is. Yes. yes. Aha. Okay. Right. And it, that, that's the, the normal word, but what does, know, um, other words that. What's its connotation going to be from the scriptural perspective? Because a lot of times the word we translate love doesn't actually, I mean, it means love in the Hebrew mindset, but not quite the way we think it does. Yeah, because we have a, we have a different way of, of looking at love because in our, in our Western way of thinking, we think of love as an emotion. Mm -hmm. That you and, can fall in and out of. Right, right. That you can, you know, turn on and off if you will. Um, but that's not the biblical definition. In fact, <laughs> that book that you've got me reading, that <laughs> it was just talking about, it wasn't necessarily talking directly about love, but that other things associated with it. And it was talking about the differences and how that those things are viewed. Um, it, 
it was talking about yeah obedience maybe yep yes. he's getting in the ballpark yeah, yes yeah. i mean this this goes to the conversation we were having yesterday morning <clears throat> because it, the the book was talking about you know the creation of man and woman and and how you know they're talked about you know becoming a chad you know a one mm -hmm. and you know how that relationship is that it's not just a you know, we, we think of it as, you know, a sexual relationship and all this stuff in, in the Western thing, but it's much more than that. Oh, yes. Much and more than that. And so you have to, and what's interesting is that type of relationship is what Yahweh uses to explain the type of relationship he wants to have with his children yes. as well it's it's an intimate relationship it's not necessarily a a physical sexual relation it's an intimate relationship mm -hmm. that that goes beyond just physical things it's it's that you know <clears throat> you know i've been married for you know 41 to to uh, almost oh oh boy let's see yeah, uh -oh. it, 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 40, 41 years. It'll be 42. Gummy bear. He didn't mean to forget. It's, it's a new year. So I'm trying to calculate, you know, <clears throat> but uh, love is a whole different word when, you know, from where we were when we got married to where we are now. Oh yeah. Whole, whole different, whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. Careful, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Speaking of anniversaries, this is my 20th today. Oh, Yep. Well, congratulations. Yep, yep, Happy yep. anniversary. I've been, I've been doing easy time with BB. Yeah. So seems like it's yesterday. Yeah. You, you better be taking her out to a nice dinner. Or I just sent her a text that says that we're going to go to lunch today. Oh, okay. That works. That works. All right, folks. Charlie, but yeah, he, he just walked us right into where we're going to go, right into where I wanted to start with today. So, and he didn't even know that because Charlie is, he could, he could nod his little head here for you. This is flat footed. He wasn't given no. any warning today because no, he's been busy this morning with, with producer stuff. Yeah. Uh, so where I wanted to go with this first here today is the story of Rebecca. So notice oh, how man. she takes Rip her the, husband. Oh my gosh. Stranger shows up at the well, says, I need a wife for my master. Okay. I'll marry him. Yeah. I mean, that's how I mean, basically it's presented that? in the scripture. <clears throat> I mean, you have to you have to understand the cultural aspect of that back then, um, because you know she was really excited about this. Yes, and um, all she knew is be, that her prospective husband is somehow related to her family. That's the, basically well, all that's she knew. That's not all she knew. Well, she also knows that he's not poor. Yes. Given the way yes, the exactly. servant shows up. Yes. That's why she, she knows he's I, not poor. I'll tell you, she was excited about that yes. because she knew that she was walking into a relationship that was going to be a stable relationship yep. that she would be well provided for. And that, you know. Well, she that, also knows that he's proper. Right. The way he comes looking for the wife, right. sending his servant and right. all. He was and it's his father right. who sent him the servant. So yeah. this and is, he he's following things the, right. Yep. And, and the servant, you know, he was, he was right up front and said, you know, Yahweh sent me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm on his, his errand. So you, yeah, you're correct. She knew a lot more than I, than I stopped oh, to yes. think about this morning. She knows that he's a godly man. Yes. Yes. She knows he's a godly he's, man. He's following the law. He's the yeah. Torah, the teachings, yeah. the customs of the time. He's, so he's established. He's, she knew quite a bit. Yeah. But notice she's never met him. No. 
and she's going to go because, marry him. See, that's the thing that, you know, we think of it, you know, that this falling in love thing, it, it's, it's mostly about physical attraction, you know. Yeah, but that's she's, called lust. She's really, exactly. But their culture, that was, that was, you know, way down on, you know, like number 10 on, on the list of things, you know, having a, a, a godly relationship, having, you know, sufficient resources and, you know, things of that nature, following the law and, and, you know, those kind of things were more important. And for women back then, a big thing was having children. I mm -hmm. mean, that was, that was a big thing back then. I mean, that was huge to be barren at that it was time a curse. in that culture. It thought was, to be that thought, thought you thought were cursed. Be, right. But look what else is going on in that story and folks for those of you who don't know where we're talking this is going on in genesis 24 a whole chapter but look what there's an image of how or, or picture of how like you were saying our relationship with yahweh mm -hmm. okay so yahweh chooses rebecca and the servant says let the one who comes up and you know i i ask for a drink she right. says here drink this is the one you sent me so the servant is trusting Yahweh and Yahweh chooses Rebecca and the servant chooses Rebecca and everybody chooses her, but she has to turn around and say, yeah, I'll accept. She does. That's a lot the same way of Yahweh calls us, but we still have to accept the, the Messiah's sacrifice for us and come but under. Look his, at, look there's at, a relationship there. But look at her in the way she responds. Because the parents and everything were like, oh, give us, you know, 10 days or whatever it was, you know, so she can, you know, say her goodbyes mm -hmm. and all this. And, and then, you know, the servant says, no, I want to, I want to leave with her tomorrow morning, mm -hmm. you know, this first light. And then they turned to her and asked her and she's mm -hmm. like, I'm ready to go. She's excited. Yeah. This so, is, this is biblical love right here though, yes. folks. This is, this is the start of biblical love. Because as soon as he slapped the 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 nose ring and the hand you know the bracelets on her, she's she's, en yeah. <laughs> she's engaged. Well, there, was <laughs> well, you know he's got her, but at that moment she's engaged. Yes, in, in their culture she was engaged already, had not even met her prospective groom. Yes, and then it turns out to be a good union. Yeah, well, yes, and and we're told that Isaac loves her from yeah. you know first sight. It, that's not. That's got nothing to do with the way we think of love today. No. That is no, not the picture we think of it today. It's very different. So jump ahead to Genesis 29. Now we got Rachel. So Jacob goes and lays eyes on Rachel and, oh, my God, I'm in love with her. I want to marry her. Mm -hmm. Okay. He ends up getting Leah in the process because of Laban's treachery. Right. But that right there is closer to a relationship like what we think of as love. Yeah, it's he, closer because he's got a he's got a, he a bit physical, of an obsession with her. attraction yes. there. There was, you know, in, in the scriptures are pretty clear on that. I mean, it, it uses some weird language, you know, that, yes. you know, Rachel's eyes were, you know, beautiful and Leah's was. Weak well, that's because in their culture, like they that, can't yeah. straight come out and say right. these things. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, look what he does to get her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, there's a commitment there. There's an action. There's a choice. He has to choose to do these things. But the the thing I'm looking at here is this is a love relationship. Okay. Look what the difference is between Rebecca and Rachel. Rachel's not exactly a little good girl. Rebecca isn't either. Rebecca helps, 
you know, Jacob with his with the deception of his father and his brother. They yeah. they're both doing things here, but one of them is going to cause trouble that's going to echo for a long time. R- Rachel steals her father's idols. Yeah. And Jacob brings down a curse on whoever has them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And there's still love going on here. Um, now, if she'd have been, if she'd have been found out, Jacob would have been in a spot. Yeah, he would have. Because now he's got to choose between his love between the Torah and the teachings of what is right and what is wrong versus his love for his wife. You see, there's, I know a lot of people, when they read these passages, they don't see the love thing going on here, but the biblical love is you're supposed to have a love for the Torah as well. Right. And a love for Yahweh. That's part of how you show your love for Yahweh is through the Torah, through your obedience and your walk. So we've got Rebecca and Rachel. Now let's jump to Ruth. This good book of Ruth chapters two through four. Ruth doesn't know Boaz from Adam. And what does Naomi basically tell her to go do? Folks, in that story, if you don't know that one, you know, her mother-in-law gussies her up, makes her look all pretty, and sends her to Boaz where they're they're harvesting, and she says, lay at his feet. Well, you and I think, well, what's why is she laying at his feet? Nah, that's a Hebrew euphemism. At the very least, she spooned with him all night and pushed herself up against him in a, you know, to to suggest, you know, sexual things going on here. It might have been even farther than that um, because this is what it is. is Bo- what Naomi told Ruth to do is go remind Boaz that he's got a duty to you, a family duty. So Boaz accepts this, and he understands what, what Ruth is doing. And Ruth goes home with the six measures of barley and tells Naomi, and Naomi tells Ruth, don't worry, he, this man's not going to rest until he handles this. And the next thing we know, he's in front of the gates bartering, for Ruth, he just met this girl a couple days ago. He doesn't know her from from Sam Hill, and yet he's going to marry her. Yep. There is a biblical love right there. It is a choice and an action that is also connected to duty and righteousness. Yes, because there was an obligation there. Yep, and he took that obligation on. And in fact, he he was actually not first in line for that obligation. No, he wasn't. But he. He went into the gates of the city and he went to the nearest kin and said, are you going to fulfill it? If you don't fulfill this duty, I'll do it. And what did the guy give him? Gave him a sandal. Sandal. Which is a sign of the covenant of inheritance. Yes. Said, I pass my inheritance right to you. Yes. That was a big deal. Yes, it is. And did it in the the witness of all the elders of of the community there in front of the gates. Folks, this is all biblical love going on here. All of this is connected to the idea of biblical love. Biblical love has got a lot more to do with duty and obligation and responsibility than it does feeling. Yes. And it has to do with choice, what you choose to do. And I got to thinking about that. And yeah, Ray says Adam failed the test. (laughs) Right. I got to thinking about that on the way here today. And that's part of my answer to what do we do with this show? Yahweh handed me back my business because that's how he's going to provide for me. He knows that I'm pretty much ruined to work in corporate America. So how am I going to make a living? The business is back, Joe, because, you know, I can provide for you that way. I can handle that. I can control that. You just behave, do your job there. So what do I do with the show? Get your booty back to work. You got a responsibility here, not just to 
to the audience and the classmates, but also to the people helping you and to me and what it is I want you to do. So I'm learning in these stories with, you know, Rebecca, Rachel, and Ruth. And by the way, all three of those are in the lineage to David. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some interesting stories going on in there. To Messiah. Uh, yep, yeah, to Messiah. That, <laughs> that, that was the whole point there, Ruth yeah. of Jesse. So then what we're going to do, though, is we get all of this in our mind. This is love. That That's, that's a familial love where you're going to become one, right? Well, then how about when we go to Luke 6, verses 27 through 36, it says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who are abusive to you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you uh, you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind, is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. That has to be a choice that you force yourself to do. That goes contrary to human nature. Oh, yeah. Who does these things to their enemies? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. Okay, he's telling us to do things that. He's telling us to treat others who are hostile toward us as the father treats us. That's an agape love right there, folks. That's straight up an agape love. And, and it's in the same order as you got to love your wife. So what if a wife found herself in a relationship with a husband where she wasn't exactly all that happy about the union, but agreed to it, gets into it and ends up being a bad marriage. What does Paul tell her? Still be a godly wife, hoping that you'll change your husband in the process. So we've got to be have that godly agape love to the lost and to our enemies, hoping that in the process of our example, they'll see and recognize the Father's hand in that through our through our way of living and the way we treat them. But that's still a love, and that's not just a love for the for our enemy. That's also a love for the Father. Yeah, because we have to put our trust in Yahweh first. Mm-hmm. And if we do, and we understand how he works, he, he tells us very plainly, vengeance is his. Mm-hmm. And we need to rely on him for that. You know, because one of the things a lot of people, you know, they, they get on this track, you know, well, you know, there, there's all these wicked people that are prospering and doing so well and, and everything, you know, why does God allow this and things like that? Well, you know, in the end, they will get their just desserts. Yes. You know, and we have to have that faith that there will be that justice, that ultimate justice, and it will be just. That's why, you know, as we've talked about before in the scriptures, that much of the scriptures is written in very, very legal terms. Yeah, not legalistic the way the church no, thinks no, about I, it today, I, I, but legal like as a in a lawyer docu- in a courtroom. Like, like a legal document mm-hmm. that will go before a court and will be upheld by the judge. 
because that way there's no discussion, you know, that the ruling is unjust. It's like, here it is. You know, I gave this to you. Here it is. Very, very succinct and very precise. Well, we miss something here. Yahweh's described in the scriptures as a king, correct? Yes. Okay. And he's got his advisors. What is it called wherever the king and his advisors are, are gathered? What, what do they call that in the old times? The court. It's a court. And that's because it literally is a legal room when you've got oh, them yes. all together. Yeah. There's le- Everything going on there is legalistic in, in the sense of law. So, And it's all connected to love. This is all connected to the biblical idea of love. And that gets me to, and now we read that passage that we we just read here in Luke and people might think that that teaches tolerance. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, And this is a problem that if you're going to be a true disciple of the Messiah, this world today should see you as being intolerant. Okay. You're still going to show the father's love. You're going to show that agape love that, that Yahweh God-like love toward others whether they're your brother and sister through the Messiah or whether they're still of the, of the people who are not believers, you still got to show that love, but that love is going to be intolerant of sin. It better be in, because if you're going to be tolerant of sin, I found a really good um, piece on, on this subject on the internet today when I was getting ready for the class, it's a biblical perspective of tolerance. And it basically says truth and sin cannot coexist well if you're going to tolerate sin by transitive property here you know to use a mathematic term tolerance and truth cannot coexist no and that and that's one of the things people forget you know because in in i guess we call a traditional church they have this idea of jesus or yeshua as being this you know the what hippie I, what Jesus. What I refer to as the hippie Jesus, yeah. right? That's, you know, all love, kindness, and all this stuff. But they forget how direct he was when confronting stern. sin of the Pharisees and so on and so forth. And, and even, you know, even some of the people that he said, you know, that he forgave their sins, he told them. What did he tell them? Sin no more. Sin no more. You know, he was kind to them and he, you know... He, he, you know, he showed love to them, but he didn't show love in acceptance of what they were doing that was wrong. He pointed out what they were wrong, you know, did wrong and told them, you know, quit doing this stuff and, you know, and your life will be better. Now, this is where we bump into the part that taught me this morning. To have a biblical love, sometimes you need to correct people and warn them to quit with their sin. You have to. Mm-hmm. You have an obligation to. Now, that's not going to be an easy thing to do in our culture today. So when no, you run not. into somebody, and I'm not talking about doing this on Facebook, folks. Be, be careful no, with no, no, that. No, no, no. But if you've got somebody in your world that has decided, you know, abortion's okay, you need to correct that. If you've got somebody in your in your circle of influence that's decided it's okay for a man to decide he's a woman, no, it isn't. He, he's a man. In, in in this case, he's a man that's even got a problem with an unclean spirit or a mental problem. You know, there's something going on there, but he's a man. He's not a woman. Yahweh's people, the Messiah's people, Christ's people cannot tolerate this stuff. 
you're not to that's not love that is not i've okay i i don't want to single anybody out because there are people in the audience who know who i'm about to go with but we've got a brother that we know charlie who's got the wrong idea of biblical love he's thinking it's tolerance yes and it isn't and we we need to by tolerating sin in in lawlessness we condemn those people to hell and in the process we marry ourselves to it right and we and we need to we need to use wisdom when dealing with people in these situations because and patience yeah, yes and patience because yes we need to identify you know the sin and and you know try to encourage them to repent but we need to do that in a loving way and that and that can be difficult because you know some of these things are emotionally charged yes yes you could say yeah and so it's very easy to become a pharisee yes and you know say oh i'm i'm all you know righteous and you know i'm doing all this good stuff and you are just a, a sinner and and you need to you know clean up your life and be more like me see uh, you can uh, it's that. possible to correct people in a gentle patient way without judging them yes all you have to do is just point out hey what you're doing goes against yahweh's teachings don't do that's it's wrong it's not right it's lawless yeah and i mean and sometimes we take it too far mm -hmm. you know because what you just said is exactly what we need to do you say okay you know take for instance abortion it's murder it goes against one of the ten commandments pretty simple mm -hmm. and i mean that's all you got to do you have identified it so that it made it very clear that that is a problem and then you drop it because you're not responsible for how they react to that and whether they change or not. Your responsibility is merely to point it out and say, you know, this ain't right. So, so far what we've covered here in the biblical sense, love is really wrapped up in responsibility to others, duty to others. Not just ourselves, oh, yes. especially yes. not ourselves, but to others, to Yahweh and to our fellow man. Well, then that's going to bring us to the next part. Servant. If we're going to be a servant of the Father, how many times does this one show up in the scriptures? One, two, three, four, five, six. No, Matthew 10, 39, the one who has found his life will lose it. And the one who has lost his life on my account will find it. Now, that's not just martyrdom. That's the one who actually decides to do his will yes. over your own. And then Matthew's going to hammer this home in 1625. He repeats it again. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And Mark 835, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Luke 9.24, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. Luke 17.33, whoever strives to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will keep it. 
John 12, 25. The one who loves his life loses it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it uh, to eternal life. Folks, they're not just talking about preserving yourself from being killed and martyrdom. No, no, no. Yeshua is no. talking it's about much more pick up that. your cross, die it's, daily to your will, follow his. It's like my abbreviated sermon I gave on Shabbat. Which was a good one. <laughs> you don't have to go on for hours. No. It was very succinct. And and it and I think that was a very powerful message. Mm-hmm. And what it was about in, in brief is our relationship to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And when we come into this relationship with Yahweh, we're, you know, like um, Aaron, I think just put on there, you know, that our righteousness is but filthy rags, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. What do we have to offer Yahweh? Nothing. Nothing. But that's not exactly true. Well, ju- just our we, our relationship he, and our... He, he has given us a gift, mm-hmm. the gift to choose for ourselves how we will conduct ourselves in this life. That's the only thing we really have control over. Everything else is controlled by Yahweh. Mm -hmm. But we do have control over what we do. How we respond. And how we respond Mm -hmm. to things. That's our ability to choose and and act. And if we give that up, that's what it's talking about when it's talking about life here and, and giving up your life. If you give up your free choice and you do it according to the king's way, then you will find favor in the eyes of the king, as, as you know, I was talking about on, on Shabbat. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing we in can... In favor in the eyes of the king, by another name, is grace. Grace. Exactly. Yep. And that, that's all we can do. The rest of it is all Yahweh's responsibility. So that is what is within our control. So th- this is what Yeshua means. Pick up your cross, die daily. Mm-hmm. Paul echoes this. He doesn't necessarily, how can you die daily? If you're going to, if this is a physical death, you can only die once. And then you're, unless you're resurrected, you're dead. Right. And nobody in scripture has ever been brought back to life every morning so that you could die again that day. What he's talking about is die to yourself, die to your own will, do the father's will, do his work, be a good loving servant Okay, because we're servants. This is biblical love here. All of this is biblical love. Now, I have a question. How are you going to die daily and put his will before yours? How are you going to know what to do if the law is gone? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. How are you going to know how to treat your husband or your wife? How are you going to know in what way to love them if the law is gone? Well, it's the Holy Spirit, Joe. It tells me. All right, now who is the whose whose Holy Spirit is it? Well, hopefully it's Yahweh's Holy right. Spirit. Right, okay, it's Yahweh's set apart spirit. And we are told by the Messiah that the Spirit only tells us what the Father tells him to say, right? Just like the Son only right. tells us what yeah. the Yeah. So when did the Father say I'm gonna have two or three or four or five or six or seven different sets of laws depending on who you are? I ain't found it. Never. Anywhere. He says, I don't change. change. You know why he doesn't change, folks? He's outside of time. By our perspective, he can't change. He's not in the timeline, so he cannot change. It's not possible. And that's a discussion to bend your mind. That's a Thursday discussion. Yeah. But and Charlie had that one with me yesterday, and it's, yeah, I'll, I'll warp you quick with that one. Yeah. But he doesn't change. So the idea that things have changed under the New Testament, nope. 
what the father expects of us has not changed. The manner in which we pre- we presented or attend to it may have changed, but the principle, it's still ice cream, folks. Yes. And how are you going to be a righteous servant? How are you going to show love to the father and to your fellow man if you don't know what's expected of you? And what is expected of you? That's Torah, the teachings, the father's teachings. Right. And something about this um, servant-master relationship is there's two forms that that are discussed in the scriptures, maybe more, but these two come to mind at least. You've got the traditional servant, and, and typically in in the, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. We'll get to that in just a second. Go ahead. Um, but typically in, in the scriptural servant master relationship it was an indentured servitude usually yes. for seven years and this was actually a good thing it was what we would call today an apprenticeship generally, yes is where you know you would have a son or whatever and, and they would go to a master craftsman and work with them for seven years and they would you know start out cleaning the cleaning the floors and you know doing all the you know yucky duties but then over time they would learn that craft and be able to you know, put out their old shingle and using the old vernacular where they could become a master craftsman and, and they mm-hmm. then have a career. But there's also another type of servanthood discussed in the scripture, and that's where a servant loves his master so much and the master is so kind to them that they want to remain with that master forever. And there was a procedure for that, and that mm-hmm. they would take them to the 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 post and they would put a all through their ear and basically put an earring or whatever yep. in there that signified that that servant belonged to that master for the rest of their life and it was possible to get adopted into that house and no yes, longer could, be a servant could, anymore. yes if if you did that abraham was going could, to be giving his inheritance Eliezer to such a yep would have would have qualified for and f- an inheritance because yep. of that and right. folks this is all love we yes. underlying all of this is biblical love. Now, Natasha asked a question. It says, can this refer to using your gifts, your spiritual gifts and talents that Yahweh's given us for his will? Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly what you were yes. given those things for Natasha. Right. That equips you to do your job within the kingdom. Yes. Because it, I mean, read Paul, he, he talks about that, uh, uh, you know, in, in quite a bit of detail, you know, that each of us have our own, yep. you know, talents. I mean, like on the show here, we've got, you know, Joe is the talking head. I'm the guy behind the keyboard, you know, doing it. And, and Natasha as well, you know, handling Natasha's the, a sniper. the chats and stuff. <laughs> yeah, she's our, she's our sniper. Her dodo and, uh, sniper. Stuff like that. Um, so we all have different talents that contribute to the congregation or the group and help us to. And by now, effective. if you're a regular audience member, you realize how poor the show is when Charlie and Natasha aren't here because I, I I don't handle things as well without them. So when we're missing a member, and, and if I've got to be gone, Charlie takes over, and he does a good job. Y'all love him. So I'm not saying that's poor, no. but he can't keep a track of the comments that day as well. We were supposed to work together as a body. Well, that requires, that's duty. So sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. And this is where the the Marine in me helps me understand the biblical teachings because there's a lot of times I didn't want to do things that I had to do. 
Well, as you grow in your faith, in your obedience, in your walk with the Messiah, you gain rank within the kingdom, so to speak. So you're still a servant. But there's a passage in Genesis where Israel, Jacob, is talking to his son, and he says, if it pleases my servant. And he's talking to Joseph as though Joseph is, is ruler over him. And at the time, he is. Most people forget when this conversation is going on, there's only one person in all of Egypt with more authority or power than Joseph. That's right. That's Pharaoh. Yes. And Joseph is still a servant at this point. And yet he's been made the second most powerful man in Egypt, but he's still a servant to Pharaoh. You've got to remember how he came to with Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't free him. Nowhere in the scripture does it tell us Pharaoh freed him. He was just able to raise in rank because he was loyal and he showed that's a form of love to Pharaoh in their time, in their age, in their culture. That was a form of love, but it was also a form of love to Yahweh because he was abiding by the rules and the laws of that culture and time. And we're bound to those in our world up until the point where they contradict Yahweh's laws. That's when you're going to have to make a choice. If you bend to pressure in this world, you side with the enemy, not the father. And this is why the believers in the early centuries would go willingly to the lions and to the stockades and to being crucified and everything, singing and praising Yahweh to be counted worthy of sacrificing themselves for him and his son. They didn't rise up in revolution because they weren't under proper governmental authority which is one of the things that our founding fathers did properly. They knew they had to establish a government in order to assert their rights in the global and in, in cosmic stage. So our rebellion was not lawlessness the way the king saw it. It was lawful the way the king of kings saw it. That was still love. This is all wrapped up in the biblical idea of love. It's a choice. If you love Yahweh, it will reflect in the way you live your life. If you love the son, if you love the Messiah, it's going to have to reflect in the way you live your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, as I'm, as he's teaching me, you're going to be tired a lot because he's going to demand you do things you don't want to do. Oh yeah. I just want to sit down and rest, get your butt back up, get to work. And here's the parable of the two sons. The father come and said, do this chore. One son said, yeah, dad, and didn't do it. The other son said, no way. And what did he do? got his booty back up and went and did it. And what Yeshua want us to understand there? The one who loved his father was the one who actually did it. Not the one who said, yes, I will and didn't, but the one who said, no, dad, I don't want to do it, and then went and did it. There's also some comfort there. You can kick against the boards, but if you turn around and eventually come to the father's will, you're going to come under his love as well. And there's something else, Charlie, that just dawned on me. This is a two-way street. The father's love is not necessary. It's unconditional, but it's also by his own choosing. We can't make him do this, but by his own choosing, when we are obedient and living the way he calls us to live, he's going to abide by his duties to us as well. He tells us over and over again, I'll bless you for this. But I, I would correct you. Okay. Yahweh's love is not unconditional. Certain aspects of it is, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are certain aspects. He, he like loves said, those I mean, who don't. He, he loves he, the rebellious. He does say that, you know, he, he 
puts the rain and the sun upon the evil and the the good, you know, at the same time. So there is a a component. Yeah, that's what I was like thinking. That. It says be but, merciful just as your father is merciful. But, you know, back to Luke. In the end, it goes back to that contract, that legal contract we were talking about earlier that in the end when the judgment comes you know he, he's not going to be unconditional then he's going to be the judge and he's going to say okay you violated the contract i repeatedly you know encouraged you to repent and turn around you did not therefore here's the punishment so there, there's both aspects there and see that that i think is where the traditional church gets messed up because they they keep focusing on this unconditional love aspect of God, but they forget that there is a law there. Yes. And, th and that's, and that's where, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, discussing the Torah, the Torah is instruction for the righteous, but it is law and punishment it's and the a curse for mm -hmm. those that are lawless. So there's two components there. And that's how, that's how really grace works. If you understand the way those two things work and, and it and it's all up to us it's you know like we were talking earlier about you know we have the ability to choose which way we're going to go we choose whether we want grace or whether we want the law mm -hmm. it, i'm watching a conversation on on oh. one of the comment sections at the <clears throat> moments folks slightly distracted here i'm not able to fully function with multiple conversations as i want to I was following Charlie, but I lost uh, something that was going on in my head at the moment. But what Charlie was talking about, Charlie, it, if we, the church today, with this idea that the law is no longer apl applicable to us, without Yahweh's teachings, how do we know what he expects us to do? You don't. Okay. So how you can we no live? Foundation. How can we please him if we don't know what to do? You can't. It's impossible. You know what? at the moment this is part of the conversation that's coming uh, yeah, up yeah it is, um, right there we have a comment on the board from tony siren this is what do you think about the modern evolution of christianity um i'll be honest with you I, i've never seen a comment from you uh, tony so i don't know how much you've been with us but the modern traditional church is, is the term i like to use the visible modern traditional you know christian church on a whole on the whole I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush. It's apostate. It has strayed so far from the teachings of scripture that it is no, it's, it's, it's a Christian Pharisees. They, they, tr they latch onto the traditions and teachings of men, not of the Messiah or his father. They're, they're not, the churches itself is so far from what Yahweh teaches and what the Messiah taught that it, it, it's unrecognizable to the first century church. They're not, they're, they're not the same. Um, it's apostate. That doesn't mean that individuals within the, the church cannot find salvation. I'm not saying that scripture says they do, but the father says, come out of her, my children, because this is mystery Babylon. If you understand the prophetic language, the, the church today, what we would think of as a Christian church today is part of mystery Babylon. And it's every bit as problematic as the Jewish Orthodox Judaism is nothing more than modern day Phariseeism. It hasn't left the teachings of the Pharisees. So they have the same problem in another direction. One is licentiousness, no law at all. The other is legalism, nothing but man's law, not Yahweh's. So 
the way, the ancient way, you know, Paul says, I'm a member of the sect known as the way that way is in the middle. And this is where I'm trying to return to, which seems to um, echo your comment right before this one, where it says you really like the ancient church and, and the older ways of Christianity. Right. That's closer to where we're at, Tony. And hopefully that'll help and answer your question. Um, yeah, he, he, Tony follows on. He says, personally, I, I don't like it either. It's failing, trying to comfort everyone, bending everything to a certain group. You know which side I mean. Yeah, there was just a comment about that earlier with Aaron. The Pope is is saying it's okay to for gays to get married, and then we have uh, part of the Methodist Church. Was it? Oh, they're they're telling their pastors room. not to use the the name husband and wife. Yeah, there's a big rue in the. This is not been love. A big separation yeah. in the. Methodist this Church. is not biblical love. They've actually separated into two sects. Yes. And that right there is not love, love within the body. The body has been commanded by the son. Do not separate over this unless you have a group that's going to do like, like what they're doing. If, if you're going to buck against sound doctrine and you're going to throw away the terms Yahweh gave us of husband and wife, if you're going to get rid of those, then yeah, throw that group of believers out. Because I was reading just, uh, earlier today, there's a there's a list of scriptures where Paul is really good on this. You're not to tolerate disobedience. That's not biblical love. Biblical right. love has yes. nothing to do with with allowing sin. And Paul says to throw people out of the body who are doing that. It says not to not to even welcome a brother or sister who are living in sexual immorality. Right, and I think that this is where the traditional church has a problem with their foundation. Yes. Because unless you have a strong foundation, and I mean, the scriptures talk about this, you know, building on a rock and, you know, in the sand and all this, you got to have a strong foundation. And that foundation is based on what? It's based on the Torah, the teachings of Yahweh. And once again, we're not talking about the law of Moses. And, and unless you build upon that, you're just building on shifting sands yes. and, and what's going to happen to that house. It's going to be washed away. And that's what that scripture is really talking about is you've got to have that grounding of the law and in, in the laws, I hate the word law, I, the teachings, Torah. Torah, because that's where it's at. That's, you know, Yahweh gives us these instructions, not, he gives them to us out of love. Yes. The because biblical if, love. if we follow those instructions, you know, life ain't going to be easy because there's wickedness in the world, but it's a whole lot easier if you are following his laws and his instructions. Mm -hmm. And it Over, will overall, if you're doing it with the right heart, the right frame of mind, it'll also lead to eternal life. And that, that that's the next, point. you're not earning your way in there, but by following those instructions, it teaches you to come into a right relationship with the king and the kingdom. Yes. And, and real quick, just to answer this last question, Tony, uh, well, whoops, this is the one I wanted. It says, uh, what's wrong with the natural way of living husband and wife? Nothing, Tony. Uh, nothing wrong with it at all. It's just that the world doesn't want that. The world wants to destroy those who are trying to follow a biblical perspective of how to live. 
So that's a whole nother show. Yeah. That's a whole nother <laughs> show. But yeah, if you've got another question, go ahead and post it and we'll attend to it. But again, to get back to where we're at, everything we've been discussing today, this falls under the, the umbrella of biblical love, the love the father has for us and the love we're supposed to have back toward the father and to each other as his creation. Um, Oh, okay. We will hold that question until yeah. we come back after the yeah, break. Come back that after the hold. break. Yeah, that'll be a good one. What he's talking the about there is joy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if he gets girls, will he be happy? Uh, well, the law does say not to multiply wives for yourself. Th- that's a twofold protection. One, don't get corrupt with that. And second, the more wives you have, what? how did that work for Solomon? Oh, my. That did not end well. It, it, yeah. In fact, in fact, most of those in the scriptures that had multiple wives, it did not go well. That's because they missed the curse that Yahweh put on Eve and Adam and Eve, man and woman, after the fall. She will be against her husband. So to some extent, we're not being you know machoistic here. This isn't chauvinistic. To some extent, women don't have any control over this why it's a blessing if you have a wife that cooperates with you because she's not as touched with that curse that Yahweh placed on women as most are. She's just, a woman is just naturally going to be against her husband. She's going to want his approval and she's going to seek after him, but she's going to just without even thinking about it. And that's not entirely a woman's fault. That's a curse. Just like the land is under a curse. Man is under a curse. He's going to have to work to live. Sweat of his brow. Um, All of this, though, is is still the way you respond to it. So. And that's why Yahweh's Yahweh's instructions are so important. Because if you go back to the Torah, the first five books, and, and, and I believe it's in Deuteronomy, goes into great detail of the blessings mm-hmm. of keeping the Torah and the curses that go along with violating the instructions. The law is so much an act of love by Yahweh. When we come back from the break, we're gonna, we'll be going to the break here in a minute. When we come back from the break, we're going to discuss something with you that Charlie and I were talking about yesterday. You know, you're told that you can't live the law perfectly without sinning. Y'all do realize that the law never once expected you to do that, right? The law never said you'd be able to follow it without sinning. The patriarchs were told they lived righteously. They were blameless, but we're also told they all sinned. So how can you be blameless and still be a sinner? And how can you be right by the law while still breaking it? That's in the scriptures. It's there. there. We've missed something. Because what we have done in our modern times, not reading the Old Testament, you're just focusing on the new, we missed something. Because we read Paul in the book of Romans and we didn't understand. He's talking about more than one type of law there. We think it's all nomos. It's all the same law. Law of Moses. No, it wasn't. The law in sin and death, that goes all the way back to the garden. That's got nothing to do with the law of Moses. The, the law of Moses doesn't say that breaking that law mandates death. Not always. Sometimes it just means grab your pigeons and head to the temple. And that'll keep you righteous. It didn't wash away your sin. 
It was just meant to teach you to get into a right relationship with Yahweh. And we'll discuss this more when we come back from the break, because this is important. This is all part of Yahweh's grace and love for us, agape love for us. And it's all meant to get us to respond with that same type of love back to him and to our fellow human being, our neighbor, especially those of us that are in the body. Because that's another thing people don't realize. The scripture, the scriptures teach, especially in the New Testament, you're supposed to have a different attitude toward the body than you do for those that are not part of the kingdom. Those who are still in rebellion to Yahweh, you know, what we would think of as the lost, but that's not lost. These are Gentiles. These are pagans, non-believers. When you go look at that term lost in scripture, it's usually talking to what we would think of as a backslider. Somebody who has once found the word that, that wandered away from it. Those are the lost. Those are his sheep. He went and found that sheep and brought them back into the fold. He didn't go look for a goat. Okay. The, 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 and to use the, the great white throne judgment, short the sheep, sort the sheep from the goats. It, it, that parable, he doesn't go looking for goats. He goes looking for the sheep. So you're not to have the same relationship with those who are not a believer as you are with believers. And that's teaching in scripture. And that's agape love, both for the believer and the non-believer. You are actually showing them love when you give them what they need. You, you know, you, you act the way Yeshua told us in Luke, the passage we read, but that's all you do. You don't make them comfortable in their sin. You don't tolerate what they do. You, if necessary, you separate from them. You don't have fellowship with them. What, what business does the light have with the dark? Don't be unequally yoked. There's a cost for living this way, folks. And Yeshua told us there would be a cost. It'll split up families. You may end up walking alone half the time. That That's giving up your life. And if you're not, he told you, count the cost before you put your hand to the, to the till. And if you're not ready to do this, enjoy what luxury you're going to have in this life because it's all you get. And he flat out told us that. If you don't want to follow me, eat, drink, and be merry here because this is all you get. So we'll we'll come back to that and we'll come back to Tony's other question on the board when we come back from the break. It's time for Charlie to dance. So we'll see you all in six minutes. <laughs>
And we're back. <laughs> Charlie was dancing. He really got into that big crescendo there. All right, we got a question on the board by Tony Saran again. It says, how to achieve eternal happiness? Both your personal and spiritual uh, opinions. Uh, physical, personal happiness, that comes down to your choice. Uh, I, I can personally tell you that um, I've been happy living in the gro- hole in the ground where everything I owned, I carried on my back, literally. For months on end. Um, it was one of the happiest times of my life. But that's back in the service, and I've told that story before. Happiness in this realm is all a matter of personal choice and attitude and how you respond to things. But now, spiritual happiness, this is what Paul calls joy. This is also the pursuit of happiness in the constant in the Declaration of Independence, rather. Same thing. And that used to be a legal term at the time that the declaration was written. And you will find it in Sir William Blackstone's commentaries on English common law. But what that is, is following the the righteous life, the good and moral life. Uh, Spiritual happiness is walking according to the way the Messiah told us to live. That brings spiritual happiness and bending your will to want that, to to value and like it. Yeah, and that's what, when the Messiah, you know, he talks about, you know, the peace that he gives to us, not as the world gives, but that spiritual peace. Because, you know, we, we look at the world today, and I mean, you know, we've talked about this on the show, you know, ad nauseum, you know, how screwed up the world is right now. Where can we find peace? And we can only find it in following Yahweh, at least in my opinion. I agree. So you know, hopefully that answers your question. And also, you know, if you get a girl, will you be happy? Scripturally, if you get a good wife (laughs) who is a believer, if you're a believer, if you're equally yoked in your faith and you work as a unit, you become one flesh and you work together. Yes. Scripture tells you that she is one of the biggest blessings that Yahweh can give you in this world. If you get somebody who is not of that mind in, in personality, then no, because you're going to always be at odds with each other. And scripture tells you that that's one of the biggest miseries you can have in life. So choose your life partner. Well, it's not always about, is she the cutest or the prettiest or is he the cutest or the richest? Because let me tell you what, ladies, if you get the richest man in the world, you just married into a problem more than likely. Yeah. Cause he's rich because he loves his money more than anything else. You know, that rich. But if you find, um, if you find a, a, a husband or a wife who is blessed materially, but knows how to use it properly, hey, that, that, there you go. That, that's one of Yahweh's blessings in your life. Um, Clay, oh boy, I'm not going to put that comment up, but brother, you got you got you got your hands full there. Um, somebody's, if you're Catholic. I was raised Catholic and and my mother's been a devout Catholic her whole life. She's almost 80 years old now. I think she's 78. And she said something just the other day that finally the Pope finally did something that she told me I'm not a Catholic anymore because of what the Pope did with gay marriage. And she says, I don't know what I am anymore. And, and I told her, well, that, first of all, mom, that's not the way this works. You don't just chew hoy to a different, you know, chew hoy is a, a Vietnamese term for switch sides. It's part of my culture in the Marine Corps that we've got a long institutional memory. So I, sorry, but you don't just switch sides. Um, 
you know, to a different religion and think that that solved your problem. You're only supposed to have two sides anyway, Yahweh and the enemy, Satan. So if you're a Catholic, I'm going to urge you, beg you, implore you, plead with you, please hold the teachings of the Catholic Church up against the scriptures. And you're going to find the same thing Charlie found when he held the teachings of the Mormon Church up against the scriptures. They don't jive, do they? Nope. We always take questions, Tony. So if you've got one, just post it. We'll get to it. We'll get to Um, it. We live for questions, especially on Wednesdays. If we're able to help, if we're serving you in any way, shape, or form on Wednesday, definitely we're here to help with that. But any day of the week, but especially on Wednesdays. Now, I told you before the break, we were going to come back to the subject, the law. The law of Moses. Did Moses ever once tell us we had to obey that law perfectly to be in right relationship with Yahweh? You won't find that anywhere in the scriptures. He said, if you sin, this is what you do. Now, it didn't cover willful sin where you knew it was a sin and you went and did it anyway. There was no sacrifice for that. You need the Messiah for that one. He's the only one that can fix that problem. But didn't wrote Moses write it to us about the Messiah? He said there was going to be another prophet greater than him that would make all these things right, didn't he? And he was going to teach us the proper way to live it. So if you want to be righteous according to the law of Moses, you just follow the teachings. So if you accidentally sinned, if you touched an unclean animal or something or whatever, you follow the prescribed process to get right with all of that. It didn't earn you a way to heaven. It never did. When Moses has given us the law, does the law ever tell us that that will earn us eternal life? No. Can you remember in scripture anywhere where it says that, Charlie? Nope. Nope. Eternal life has always been by grace. You know, faith, grace through faith, always. Always. Abraham and in, in, um, uh, Enoch, n- not first Enoch, but the original Enoch, you know, they're blameless. Moses, uh, Noah said to be blameless, but do you think Noah is, is without sin? You haven't read the story of Noah yet, have you? Okay, he, he likes his wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're told he's blameless. That's because he's walking in right relationship with Yahweh. So what's that mean? It means whenever he sins, he goes back and can confesses his sin and repents and seeks to restore that relationship with Yahweh. So what is the law of sin and death then? If you sin, you're going to have to die physically. But because you've sinned, it does not mean you have to die eternally. You can be, you're, you're a sinner and you can still be redeemed through the Messiah. So the law of sin and death is entirely separate from the law of Moses. But we seem to conflate them thinking, well, Yeshua had to come and live the perfect life and and sinless to fulfill the law of Moses. The law of Moses never said that living without ever breaking it would ever earn you anything. None of that. This is something that we've read into the New Testament because we don't understand the old. Um, Oh, boy, you're going to have fun. Tony posted a couple of questions there that kind of go back to the discussion we had yesterday. All right. So, folks, we're going to chase a rabbit. Buckle up, guys. 
Tony says, so if everything is already scripted by God and everything we do is made to happen, how do we know what is my choice and what is scripted? Okay. First, not everything is scripted by Yahweh. Scripture tells you that. There are many times where the scripture says that somebody pleaded with Yahweh and Yahweh relented, which means he changes his mind, or it just flat out tells us Yahweh changed his mind. So this gets back into that paradox we were discussing yesterday, uh, Joe, Charlie. That how means could... he changed. No, he changed his mind. Oh, is that it, different? And notice what the scripture tells us. If you folks will do, then I, Yahweh, will respond in this way. Um. Okay, it says, um, let me just finish with this comment. He says, I'm fine with Jesus choosing my actions. But sometimes I don't like the way it happens. Well, yeah, I understand that. But okay, first things first, to get, get to your question. I'm going to do my best to answer this one. Charlie, chime in because this is, you started this yesterday. <laughs> I did. Okay, and we were talking about this before the show. So first of all, scripture flat out tells us that not everything was preordained. So the next thing you're going to have to do is, were you chosen before the, you know, did Yahweh say, okay, this one here and this one here and this one here I'm going to save? No, if yes. you're Calvinist, he did and he didn't. He let didn't, let he me didn't. get let me get to this. <laughs> did he say Charlie, or did he and Joe, or did no, he, he say, say those who respond to my call? There you go. That's how he preordained you, because otherwise, otherwise Yahweh's lawless. If he raised Pharaoh up specifically to sin, that makes Yahweh lawless, which means he's not Yahweh. Okay, especially since it will break with other scriptures. It says he he desires that all of us will come to him, and he does. So if he preordains some of us not to be saved, then that contradicts with clear uh, statement of scripture. You can't preordain somebody to be to be damned if you desire them to come to you. That doesn't work. What happens is before creation of time, Yahweh decides for himself from his own election. Okay. I'm going to do this and the people who respond this way, I want them. And the people who just totally, just totally won't accept my help, whatever, the, you know, the, the, they're going to be locked out of my fellowship forever. So if you want to, you know, if that's one way of thinking of hell, you're locked out of the wedding, you're, you're not in the kingdom. Okay. You're going to be on the outside. So these are the ones that'll be inside. These are on the outside. I make, I make the, the, the world boom. It, well, not me. I'm just, this is a convention of speaking. So Yahweh goes ahead and creates the universe. At that moment, he knows beginning and end. All of it, it's done. Because he's outside of time. But this is where it'll twist your head. Because not only is he at the end of time, the minute he created, he's also at every second of time from the beginning to the end. He's in every second of the time, everywhere, all at once. Because he's outside of time. He... Think of it like he has a recorder. He sees the whole movie at one time, but he can go back and rewind and stop and freeze frame and do whatever he wants with it. So he can change his mind and work different things in time while still knowing how it's going to end up. I know this is tough for folks to some, some folks to wrap their head around. I, I get that. I understand that. Um, and it's also like, how do you know what your will was? And it wasn't his, his Yahweh doing this. This is this is not a contradiction. You can have free will, and Yahweh's will still prevail. This is a paradox, and it, it's kind of like gravity. You can defy gravity, 
you can fly. And as long as your airplane has fuel and the engine's still working, or if you've got a good glider and you happen to find some place that has updrafts even in the night, as long as you can physically stay awake and maintain everything or keep your autopilot, you'll be able to fly. But sooner or later, gravity, in this case Yahweh's will, takes over. Now, your free will is to stay flying forever. Guess what? You can still stay flying forever in your will, but gravity will win out eventually. It's kind of like if, if I have a, a, re, a, a maze, you know, mouse maze, rat maze. If I have a big one and I tilt it on its side and I pour pitcher of water and I pour it fast enough into the maze, you're going to be amazed at something. For a short period of time is while you're pouring that water, the water will flow uphill until it manages to get it because you're pouring more water than can go through the, the openings in the maze at a time. So it backs up and it goes up the hill. So that's your will. You can go against the will of Yahweh. Yahweh wants you to come down like gravity. He want, This is what Yahweh wants. You can buck it for as long as you got the energy to do it. And it might be you can buck it your whole life. But as soon as your life ends, his will now takes over. So that's a paradox. And it's one way of explaining it. There could be other ways to do this. This is the best way I've understood to explain it to people. He in no way, shape, or form tells you what you will or won't do. He just sometimes makes the hill so steep that you either decide to climb straight up or even at a reverse incline where you're hanging into space with your hands. And you can do that. I, I've seen rock climbers do that. Okay. You, that's the way you want to go. Sooner or later, if your hands get, get, get weak and give out, that's a long fall, Jack. You chose it. And it's how he shows his loving kindness to us. He just makes the hill so steep that sometimes maybe we'll get tired and go the other way. But he didn't force us to do that. We can still climb that hill if we want to, up until the time we die. And that's the best way I know how to explain that. Um, and, and how do you know this is true? Simple. The agape love we just explained, the love you're supposed to have in Scripture for each other, for those who hate you, your enemies, and for Yahweh, for God and the Son, that's a choice. And that's faith. Faith is a choice. Well, if you don't have free will, you can't make that choice. So biblical love and biblical faith are impossible if you don't have free will. Am I not right about that, Charlie? Correct. The way the Hebrew thinks, you have to have free will in order to do that. If you don't have free will, then all of Scripture is null and void. Yes. It's an absurdity. Because he's telling you you have to do something that you have no ability to do. And that makes Yahweh unlawful. So hopefully that answered that question. Yes, ma'am? Question that's related to the rabbit. Okay. <laughs> it. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think how to word this. Maybe I should have typed it. Anyway, <clears throat> like... For example, I've always been told that, okay, God has a plan for you. There's a purpose that you're here. But mm -hmm. it's like, is that plan maybe not as specific? Like, it's not, oh, I want Natasha to do this, but more of a, oh, well, if someone's willing to do this type thing? Both. He will want you to do something, but if you're not going to do it, if you're going to rebel the whole way, eventually he'll get somebody else to do it. Okay, that makes sense. Because we are locked in a temporal timeline, you know, from A to point A to point Z, 
it's hard for us as physical material beings locked in a temporal timeline to con conceive of this. This is where my broken little brain, I, I have no problem with this. I, I can easily understand one way, at least, at least one way to picture this the way Yahweh would see it or closer to it than most people know how to think about it. He can be in our timeline with each of us every, every moment of every day and still be at the end of time seeing what he's doing here in this time. He can be everywhere at once. And it's hard for us as finite beings to wrap our head around that. But this is why I tell y'all my brain's kind of twisted and bent and warped. It, it's easy peasy to me. I get it. I understand it. And I don't mean to insult anybody. If, if you're able to see it too, cool. Then you understand what I'm saying. If you don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm belittling you. I'm not. I'm, I'm flat out telling you my brain's made weird. And I know that. Because I went into a much more detailed description of this yesterday with Charlie, and he followed it for the most part. But even even poor Charlie, I saw his eyes glazing over yeah. a little bit. I mean, I, I I got some of the basics, but enough for what I needed to do. But at the same time, you realized I knew what I was talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can you I can see, see it. I just you can't. See it differently. You can't draw this type of thing in a diagram in a three dimensional world. It can't be done. But. I, I can conceptualize how this works. And, and it's the gist of this is just, it's, it's a paradox. It is not a contradiction, which means there's a resolution and that's all we need to worry about. And it means that your fate w was not from your perspective in life. Your fate was not sealed when you were born. It, it, your whole future was not already predestined from your perspective, from Yahweh's. It's not that it was predestined. He already knows how it's going to turn out. That's a different thing, but, you know, from his perspective, he knows what's going to happen, but he also knows that he has a chance to adjust it in the, in the process. So like I said, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. I get it. He was everywhere. And at the end, all at the same time, from the moment he said, let there be. And I don't know if that helps you any Natasha. Um, but that's yeah, the best yeah. answer I have for you at the moment. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like a both in this situation. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, and thank you. that's not a contradiction. He can do both. With, that's like I said, it's paradox. Paradoxes have resolutions. Um, and that's another thing in, in logic. If I find one way to explain it where it all works, then there usually are more. You just, you haven't found it yet. So the big point here is it's not a contradiction, which is, and, and what we're hitting on here, folks, is one of the biggest attacks that scoffers make against scripture. They don't bother to learn it in its original context and meaning, letting scripture interpret scripture. So they think it's a contradiction and they'll say, well, then that's an absurdity. Now that's crazy. Look at those silly people believing this contradicting book. It doesn't contradict itself at all. It's just talking to you as a Torah observant Hebrew. And if you're a Greek minded individual and you don't take the time to learn the Hebrew culture and language and way of thinking, you're going to see a contradiction where there isn't one. That's your fault and problem, not the Bible's. So, it's, like I've said before, the easiest way to do this is try to explain Star Wars in terms of Star Trek. You're going to get that one sideways, guaranteed. But, you know, that's your fault, not Star Wars's. So, or however else you want to do it, you know. Anything else there, Natasha? Um, No, that's pretty much it. Okay. It's just uh, kind of neat. That's something I've been wrestling with for a while now. 
it's like, ah, what does God want me to do? I think I know bits and pieces, but I don't know for certain. But then it's like there, I know there's general stuff in his word that we're supposed to do. So this is part of the joy. There's freedom in knowing, okay, if you are living your life, trying, if you've learned Torah, you learned his teachings, this is the way he wants me to live my life. And you try to apply that as best you know it and understand it the best you can in your daily walk every day. That's what he's wanting from you. So the more you learn about his Torah, the better you can do that. And the more frequently and more consistently you do it, the more you grow in spiritually in your faith and your relationship with Yahweh and the more he'll guide you. This is a case of the more you give him, the more he gives you, but he always lets you do first. Almost always. The only times where he acts first, it's got something to do like with Abraham where he, he makes the covenant. That's that that was, that's not just for Abraham. That was a sweeping historical move, but where your personal life is concerned, he always, let me, let me, let me see what you're going to do, Natasha. Oh, okay. Well, here, here's another tool to help you with your, or some more understanding or whatever, a little reward or a blessing for it. And these blessings are his way, not ours. Sometimes um, a physical ailment can actually be a blessing. We see it as a curse, but it's a blessing. Um, or let's say like with me, I'm never going to be rich. That's a good thing. That's a blessing. You make me rich and I'm going to be a problem. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people in the world that are going to have to hide in a cave somewhere to stay away from me if I'm really rich. So that's a blessing to me so that I don't destroy myself. And what we think of as good is not necessarily Yahweh's way of thinking is good. So the joy comes in knowing that if I follow his teachings, the best way I understand them and apply them as best I can in my life, then I'm making him happy. I'm in fellowship with him. Even if I make a mistake, he knows our heart and he knows what we were trying to do. And he'll know if we maybe didn't understand something clearly, Paul even tells us he's going to judge us according to what we did understand. You know, that's Romans. So there's that Christian joy and liberty. As long as you're living according to the Torah, the teachings, the best you can and the best you understand them, you're going to be in a right relationship with him. And you should feel a sense of, of security in that. And, and one of the things that, at least from my experience in life, is many times we have to take a few steps into the darkness before we see the path ahead of us. And faith. he does that intentionally. It's it's part of faith. That's part of our journey here. And sometimes you walk into that darkness and the light doesn't turn on. That might be an indication to you you're going the wrong way and you need to turn around and go a different direction. Uh, because usually if, if you're on the right track, he's going to give you breadcrumbs. Yeah, but he I never gives them. you more than one at a time. Yeah, yeah he, he, doesn't, he doesn't give you a lot. He'll give you a little breadcrumb here, a little breadcrumb there. That'll just kind of let you know, okay, yeah, you're going the right direction. And you got to be looking for him. Keep going this way. And, you know, you'll see the next breadcrumb. And, and when you don't see the breadcrumbs, that's another indication. Oh, maybe I veered off the path or something here. And those are little indications that, that you know, maybe you need to adjust course. Yeah, so those I... are things we need to look for. A specific example. I've been worried about my business because since December 20, um, 24th, I hadn't had a single sale. And normally I have at least one a day and I'm okay. I've got money in the bank for this, but I, I was a little worried. So I, I was 
confessing my sins and apologizing for being kicking against the boards yesterday on the way to the show and show gets done and there are two sales on the board one of them fairly well fairly good so breadcrumbs is like ah welcome back joe it's been a while since you prayed to me and talked to me and whatever so here you go and i've noticed over over one of the ways he talks to me is through my business the, when I wander away from the path, things go rough for me in the company. When I'm walking where I'm supposed to, they're smoother. And I pay attention to it because he'll talk to you. That's one of the ways he shows you. And if you're if you're a non-believer, you can look at that and think, oh, that's coincidence. If you're a believer, these coincidences tend to line up in a pattern that is beyond explanation. That's because it's not a coincidence. It's just the way he talks to me and he'll talk to each and every one of us in our own way. We've got to learn to listen to him. And he's remember that still small voice. A lot of times, like Rick was saying, those whoops, Charlie was saying, did it to you, Charlie. <laughs> did it to me. Who's right? Crumbs are small. Yeah, I know. That's, that's another AI. I got to make up real quick. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter. There are enough people on the board that watch us on Sabbath that yeah. know who the heck we yeah. are anyway. So. <clears throat> it but hard. I'm sorry. But you need to get a better poker face, man. <laughs> p -p 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 poker face. That's no, a, no, a, don't a go lady. Spiritual song. No, no. <laughs> you so, know anyhow. very well that's not what I was referring to. Let's gosh, no lady gaga on here, please. I can I can poke your avatar's face. <laughs> Book. So <laughs> i have found out that apparently when the avatar starts talking to you and she annoys you poking her in the forehead and saying reset it doesn't work very well it, it just causes more trouble yeah and i might fight so be careful yes all right so hopefully that answered your question uh yeah and we are still really for those who have labored on through this entire discussion we're still dealing with a biblical idea of love all of this is the Bible's idea of love. It's got nothing to do with our modern idea of love. This isn't, oh, I love you so much. This is, oh, crap. Okay, I'm I tired, but I'll get up and I'll go. Shut up. Yeah, I got to go do what <laughs> I got to do. Or I don't want to do it that way, but okay, you know, doing what you're told to do, doing what you've been instructed to do the way that you've been instructed to do it. And, and that's another problem we have within the, the the visible traditional church today. You can't just do it your way. That doesn't work. The scripture tells us that over and over and over again. Um, you do it his way or you're making your own rules. And if you're making your own rules, you're smacking the crosshairs of 2 Thessalonians 2. And, I mean, you pretty much have to know and obey Torah if you're going to follow God's rules. If you love him, you have a duty to study his word. So All of it. I guess that's one thing I'm still trying to unlearn is it's not just, oh, love God, pray, and he'll show you what you're supposed to do. It's a little more than that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, thank you. Yeah, that no helped worries. a lot. I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> Paul, the, the thing we must remember, okay, New Testament, right? 
Paul says all scripture is good for edification, correction, et cetera, et cetera. What's he talking about at the time he wrote that? What scripture is he talking about, Charlie? Well, it wasn't the New Testament because it didn't exist. Yep, so some of it hadn't left. even been written yet. <clears throat> Correct. So you got nothing but the Tanakh. That's right. Old Testament. So I, I so much there. I do, yes, I know. There's really nothing in the New Testament that isn't in the old. No. The new just helps you see it looking backwards with 2020 vision. Yeah, that's it. That's all it does. Even like in the book of Revelations, a lot of new stuff in there, Joe. You haven't been reading the prophets very clear, carefully, have you? Almost nothing new in the book of Revelation. Um, just been focused a little better, that's all. Um, I can't really think of none of the none of the uh the seals, none of the trumpets, and none of the bowls. All of those are in the in the prophets, all of them. We have to remember what does Yahweh say? I don't do anything until I tell my prophets first. Which one of the prophets said, Well, under the New Testament, we're just going to erase everything beforehand and then redo everything from the beginning? None of them said that. Not a one. Matter matter of fact, you're supposed to have a love for Yahweh and his word, right? And we're told in the new covenant it's going to be in your heart. He's going to put his word in your heart, his law in your heart. At the Beatitudes, what did Yeshua do? Charlie, when, when he was telling us, it's not just about what you do. It's also about what you think and feel and, and, and you know, coveting and lusting for things. And wasn't he moving the law from the stones into your heart at that time? He was because. Did he change the law in any way? No, but he was using Hebrew uh, cultural um, images. Images because the heart <clears throat> in Hebrew is not the heart as we think of it. It's more of our our intellect and our our will our, our action our will yeah our yeah. will so that right there was the new covenant being enacted driving it into the heart of the believer and he didn't change a thing well he left out the sabbath joe that's because that's a seal <laughs> not a commandment yeah you know we've covered that before that's the seal that tells you you're you're <laughs> sealed by him if you're following his torah you're going to keep the seventh day if you're not keeping the seventh day, well, congratulations, you're a very good Samaritan. That didn't go well for the woman at the well, did it? You know, she was talking to the Messiah right there. You, should, like, you Samaritans don't know what you worship. You know, the Jews do it wrong, but at least they know who they worship. So that's a lesson for us. But that was also, that's agape love right there. He's showing her love. He's correcting her gently and with patience. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I was just going to add real quick that the Samaritan woman, once she realized who the Messiah, that she was speaking to him, didn't she change her ways? Oh, she or, dropped everything least, that yeah. she had done. Yeah, it appears as though she dropped everything and ran to tell everybody who we, you know, I found him. Uh, so pretty good lesson of how to accept this, I guess. Basically. Yeah, we're back to Rebecca. Yep. I'm yep. not going to stay 10 days. Let me go. I'm gone. See you. I go meet my new bride. I mean, my, my husband, my bridegroom rather. And that's how the church is supposed to respond. Let's go meet the bridegroom. You know, don't look back. You know, if you're going to look back, you're not worthy to work for the kingdom. All of this is love. All of this is biblical love. And just for me, it, it was the answer to the question. I, you know, the, 
the plead I asked Yahweh yesterday. Basically, he's telling me, suck it up, buttercup. You tell people, other people to do it without ever thinking, Joe, guess what? Your turn. Suck it up, Marine. Nobody ever said that living for me was going to be easy. So that's the answer to my questions. I'm just going to be working my booty off, which will probably help keep me out of trouble. Because a bored Joe is a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Bored Marines, man. You just didn't know. I was having that conversation at lunch yesterday. Um, I I had lunch with an old friend of mine. He was a Navy diver. And he said he loved being around Marines. He said, but the thing he never understood about them is that their NCOs always kept them busy doing something. So they were on a submarine one time. They had a bunch of Marines on the sub. And he said, when they left, every piece of brass in the in the sub was shining and glistening. And I, I told him, I said, yeah, well, I've learned. Marines are, by nature, they're independent-minded to begin with. I, I know people think Marines are stupid, but be around them one time. The only other branch of the service that is higher college education is the Air Force. Otherwise, the Marine Corps is the second highest. Our enlisted ranks have over 24% of us, when I was in anyway, had at least a two-year degree. So what you're looking at is you're you're looking at people who are just one step shy of the type that go into special forces. Uh, you know, you're looking for adventure seekers, people who look for challenges. You you can't let them get bored or they will find something to entertain, themselves, find something to entertain themselves, which is why the scripture tells you meditate on the, the, the teachings of, of Yahweh every day, all the time, rather than going to entertain yourself with something else that'll get you in trouble. Just read your scriptures. And I know, I know, it's boring. Well, not really. There's all sorts of stuff. If if you want, okay, well, just forgive the crude way of putting it, man. But if you want some sordid little tales, just go read about David. Or you can read about some of what was going on with Solomon. You know, if you've got to have some of that, you know, as my wife used to put it, period romance novels, which was just another way of saying women's soft smut books well then you got the song of solomon i mean if you need intrigue or war or battle or you know whatever read chronicles and kings it's in there folks it's in there there's some serious stuff going on in there you know your political back and forth going on read kings and chronicles you know what's going on in there the history books so it's a storybook as well it'll entertain you and you learn on the way and it also shows love for Yahweh and for his son. And he doesn't censor his book. No, he doesn't. He gives the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> so, all right. Charlie, you got anything else? Because I'm I'm talked out today. I'm I'm probably boring everybody at this point. Are there any questions left on the board? Um oh <laughs> you ever have to bury a cigarette butt and then be asked if you buried in the position of attention no i was asked whether or not um the sand flea i buried was male or female and i had to dig it back up to find out and by then i was smart enough marine to just put a piece of sand in my hand and say it's male sir and he said fine find a female and bury her side by side and i just grabbed another piece of sand and said there sir because he knew i'd caught on my whole purpose here was just to dig a hole and bury it back in fill it back in but yeah not a cigarette butt but i did have to dig a six by six by six hole for that sand flea and that took a while and i learned not to do that again yes ma'am i have many questions but i don't think they're worth asking about this 
you can ask later. <laughs> the, the whole purpose was to get me to shut my mouth in formation. And it gotcha. worked. It worked. Okay, that, that makes more sense. I never had to dig another six by six by six grave again with an e-tool. It took better part of the day. So anyhow. <laughs> Any other questions? Smart Alec Aaron. Same concept. <laughs> What lesson were you being taught, Aaron? <laughs> so, and Yahweh does that too. He'll teach you lessons that way. Um, go sweep the sun off the sidewalk. <laughs> I've never heard that one. That's good. I like that. <laughs> All right, folks. We've got um, we've got the anniversary of Desert Storm coming up in a month or so. Uh, we might take a day to just tell military stories that day. Um, chief offered to come in and share some of his war stories with us. Um, oh, geez. How do I put this? I, I know this is worship Wednesday, but the chief, he tells you all he ever did was salvage diving. But if you're like me and you, you latch on to little things over long periods of time, he's one of the guys that the book blind man's bluff was writing about. So, and he knows I figured that out. So he's been telling me a few more stories over time. He, kn he knows that he's busted with me. Of course, then again, the chief knows that I'm, I'm, I'm one of the brighter bulbs that he knows, but you know, he's a squid. He doesn't know many bright bulbs to begin with. So <laughs> I think there's another one of you squids in the neighborhood here in the class. Sorry, yeah. but you know, here's what it is. I, and don't talk to me about eating crayons. I, I like crayons, especially the yellow ones and the brown ones. Those are the best. <sighs> All right. We're going to wrap it up for today then. We appreciate each and every one of y'all being here. Hopefully we were able to help a little bit. Um, tomorrow we are going to do a conspiracy theory. Yep. Another one of those conspiracies that I'm not so much sure it's a theory anymore, uh, especially after some of the stories I saw today. I'm pretty sure... Um, it's actually being done. Um, uh, I have to make a note. So anyhow, y'all, um, hopefully you'll be with us tomorrow, but if you like what we're doing, at least give us a thumbs up, let Natasha and Charlie know that you appreciate them. That talks to them says, yeah, good job guys. And as for me, you know, just in the comment section, give me one of those emoji raspberries, you know, whatever I I'm used to that. That makes me feel loved. If you quit abusing me and talk nice to me, I'm going to worry that I'm about to die. So it's just, that's, that's my lot in life. That's what happens with Marines. When you, when you treat them that way, they're, they start, uh Oh, I'm, I'm dead. You know, just abuse me and I, everything's normal. I'm good. I'm happy. If you do want to share this show, please, whoever you send it, send a show directly to them. Don't just put it in Facebook or whatever. It gets throttled. Um, send a link to them and explain the host whatever way you feel comfortable with, you know, dude's a jerk or whatever, not, not put together too tight, whatever. We understand. Charlie warned you about that at the beginning of every show, but ask them to watch for more than one or two days. The show does build on itself. And I know several of you that have kind of gotten hooked with us over, over the, over the last year or so you, you keep coming back in spite of yourself and you've let me know this. So other than that, we will see you here tomorrow. We love each and every one of you. If there's anything we can do to help you, let us know. Email joe at the road to concord.com and we'll get to you. Marianne, we're still working on your last questions. We, we were addressing you earlier in the show. You pitched fastballs, man. 
and uh, they're not always easy to hit. We'll see you all tomorrow. Conspiracy Theory Thursday tomorrow. Tune in. This is a good one. See you then.